So we pointed out in the beginning of this study, which, by the way, I'll just remind you tonight, we have one more week in this study here. That's it. You're going to be rid of me. Thank you. All right. And I'll be moving on to another class. So I'll be thinking about that. Uh, and, and then uh, we have one more quarter in our rotation series uh, before we actually go to our summer series. And we want to be thinking about that coming up too. But our study in Proverbs, uh, we've, we've, we've already discussed about the fact that Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Uh, it's not a book about history. It's not a book that talks about uh, how uh, how the, the history of God's children, the Israelites. It doesn't have prophecy concerning things in the future. But it's one of those books that helps us in our daily lives. Uh, it's one that provides prudent and moral behavior uh, it helps us to be prudent in moral behavior. That's the concern of the book of Proverbs. It's about relationships, having relationships with other people. So we want to talk about another relationship we have tonight. Our study tonight concerns itself with alcohol and, and actually gluttony. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1, a very short verse, but it speaks a very powerful lesson. It says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. You know, we said that Proverbs is full of those short, pithy statements, right? Short statements that teach very strong lessons. Well, this is, there's a, there is a powerful lesson to be learned in this verse. From this one particular verse, we can find out and understand the effects of wine in a person's life and also the effects of strong drink in a person's life. Not to mention the fact that uh, God says uh, uh, that whoever indulges in that to the point that it, uh, they become drunken, he said that person is not wise. He is not wise. I don't know. I, I don't know of a single person who who drinks, who ever picked up that first bottle of wine or that first glass of wine, that first bottle of beer, and said, "You know, I want to be a drunk. I want to learn to be a drunk." You know anybody like that? Nobody. Nobody would do that, right? It's just one of those things. Of course, when a person starts it, and it's one of those things that can take over your life. It can take over the way you think. It can take over the way you act. And, and, and then Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1 says, whoever indulges in this to the point that it becomes a problem in life, he said he's not wise. He's not wise at all. So what are the effects of wine in a person's life? It says that mocking and scorn are jest. So a person who's, who's drunken with wine could very well say some things that he would later regret and wish that he never said. That they will cause the person to say things, talk completely out of their head. And, and perhaps you've known some people like that. There are people who, who are, I've heard the expression, falling down drunks. You might have heard people like that, right? There are also people who, are, who, who drink and, and are very passive. They, they don't fight. They just lay down, go to sleep wherever they are, in the middle of a road, wherever they don't care. And just, but they don't bother anybody. But then there are other people who drink who become brawlers. 
who want to fight any and everybody every chance they get. Um, it's been said of some people that that person would fight at the drop of a hat and they will drop the hat themselves. So drunk, drunken, a drunkenness can cause those effects on people's life. He goes on to say, he says, there, those who are um, prone to live a life like that are led astray uh, by it is, and are not wise. Led astray. If, if I understand that verse correct, a, a person being led has a choice. Isn't that correct? A person being led, you can choose not to follow. You can choose not to go down that path. You can choose to do something different. But you see, that's one of the bad effects of alcohol. It takes, it takes your, it gives the ability that you have to reason through things and make good decisions is stolen from you by alcohol. By alcohol. It takes away your ability to reason, to, to, to do things logically, perhaps, and to make good decisions. So we're told, God says it's deceitful. It's deceitful. Does that remind you of anybody? If wine can be deceitful, think about Satan. Was Satan not deceitful? Uh, when you think about Satan in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, right? Was he not deceitful with Eve? He said, you can eat of that fruit. You're not going to die. Well, she just didn't die physically. She died a spiritual death there. So the effects of wine are deceitful. <clears throat> And, of course, we see other examples of where the false teachers, uh, when the New Testament writers, Paul, wrote about false teachers, he would say false teachers are deceivers. They're deceitful. They're going to tell you one thing, and, and it's going to be a lie. They're not going to teach the truth. I want you to think just for a moment, and, and, and think with me about this. Whenever you are watching television in the evening or on the weekend, Maybe you're watching a game or a sports or something, and you see those advertisements for beer or for wine or hard liquor. What do you see? What kind of a life do they always depict? People are happy, right? People are partying. People are having a good time. They have a smile on their face, right? That's the kind of that's the kind, that's deceitful. That's deceitful because while that might that might be happening where they're at. The writer also tells us that, you know, that wine, that beer has, has a bite to it, right? The things they don't show you on those commercials are the broken homes, the broken marriages, the children who go without shoes, the children who go without food. They don't show you the, the, the destructiveness of, of alcohol itself, how it can rip families apart, husbands and wives apart, uh, cause people to lose their jobs, cause people to lose their lives when you think about people who are are killed in car accidents by someone who is drunk, right? And and they lose their lives. And and the, the commercials never show that side, do they? They just show the people having a good time, having a great party, laughing it up, but they don't show the opposite side. Uh, turn, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verses 29 through 35 together. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29 through 35. <clears throat> who, is, who has woe? Who has sorrow? 
Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wrongs, uh, wounds without cause? Who has read and survived? And then the writer answers his own question, okay? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it is sparkling in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you'll be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of a mast saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. And then shall I awake that I may seek another drink. So here's a, a, a graphic description of what drunkenness will do to a person, whether it's wine or hard liquor. And verse 29 says it's going to bring about woes and sorrows. And, and we know that to be a fact. Uh, I doubt there's a single one of us in here who don't know somebody, maybe somebody even in our own family, who has whose family uh, has suffered those woes and sorrows because someone in the family drank. And, and not, not, just, not just the fact that they, they drank and did the things that a drunk does, but the financial situation it puts on the family. You see, when that person is spending that money on alcohol, they're not spending that money on groceries. They're not spending it to pay the rent, pay the electric bill. Uh, and those, those kind of things, when they don't get paid, bring woes and sorrows on the family. Verse 29 also says that those, those who are uh, given to wine are, are sometimes contentious, right? He says, who has contentions? Well, what are contentions? Somebody help me out here. Argument, argumental stuff, right? Causes strife, arguments and words. words. So uh, a person who drinks, and you, you can see, you, you've heard this, you see this on television, on shows and stuff like that. Two guys at the bar, first thing you know, they're they're arguing back and forth. The next thing you know, they're fighting, tearing the place up. Maybe that's only Louis L'Amour novels. I don't know. But anyway, but they're contentious, right? They're hard to get along with. Uh, it says in verse 29 that these people are going to be recipients of complaints. They're going to, maybe they're not only, not only are they complainers, but they're also going to be recipients. Other people are going to talk about them. Other people are going to point out and say, look, look at look at Joe Jones over there, right? Look what he's doing to his family. He doesn't even realize that. And, and that's going to happen to them. Verse 29 points out also says uh, they're going to have wounds without cause. I guess that's the kind of that falling down drunk, right? Who is so drunk he falls down. Maybe he hits his head against something. He cuts his arm. He doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know it. Why? The effects of alcohol have clouded his ability to recognize those kind of wounds. Verse 29 also points out, he says, they're going to have, what does it do to your eyesight? Well, it causes the redness of eyes, right? It causes blurry vision. Uh, not only are your reactions going to be slowed down, but your ability to see things clearly are going to be destroyed, and therefore perhaps that's one of the reasons we have uh, so many accidents involving alcohol and drugs. Okay. 
Verses 31 and 32 says, it looks promising, but at the last it bites and it bites and has a sting. Again, when you think about those commercials, you know, you see those people having a good time, you're thinking, but maybe, I don't think you are, but some people are thinking, well, you know what, that looks like it's just a fun thing to do. Looks like it's something I'd like to have a part of. Looks promising, right? But it's deceitful. It's a lie, right? It's just showing you that one side that lasts just for a little while and then it's gone. But then you've got the problems that go with all the alcohol, right? Um, it says in verse 33, it says, the eyes are going to see some strange things. Again, you, you, see, you see things that aren't there. Uh, a person's ability to drive is hindered by alcohol. Their ability to see is hindered by alcohol. And it says, then the heart, verse 33, the heart will utter perverse things. Once again, uh, a person who is under the influence of alcohol or drugs, he said, they're, they're, going, they're going to say things that they're later going to regret. They're going to say things to their loved ones that they're later going to regret. In fact, when it comes back to them sometimes, they're going to probably not even believe they could have possibly have said that. I wouldn't have said that. I never would have said that. Yes, you, you might have said that under the influence of alcohol, under the influence of drugs. So the heart will utter some perverse things. Verse 34 points out it causes dizziness, which it does for sure. Uh, inability to walk a straight line. Why do you think those officers give those breathalyzers tests, right? Why do you say they have those people walk the straight line? Because they can tell just by them not being able to follow that line that they're under the influence of either drugs or alcohol. And then that verse 35 just points out the fact that even if they do get injured, they're not even going to know where they were injured or how they were injured or the fact how badly they're injured, the fact that they need to be in a hospital. It's all going to go right over the top of their head. They're not even going to acknowledge any of that. So the Proverbs writer writes a pretty graphic picture, doesn't he? He says you need to stay away from it because verse, 20, verse 1 of chapter 20 says that person who indulges in that is not wise. They're not acting... Uh, in wisdom, they're not making the best choices. They're they're doing those. They're making bad choices, and they're going to those all, those choices are going to have consequences. And as we've said already, sometimes it's the family that suffers. Sometimes it's the church that suffers. Sometimes it's other people that suffer the consequences of someone who's under that influence. And in Proverbs chapter thirty-one, verses four through six, we see another uh, another example. Of of, um, of of the influence of, of alcohol, Proverbs chapter thirty-one, which which happens to be what the last chapter of the book, verses four through six. I can I can't even find it. There it is. Okay, good. Uh, he starts off by saying, well, first off, if you back up into verse three just for a moment, it says in the last part of it, it says, nor your ways to that. I said, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. Okay. What, what could destroy a king, right? What could destroy a king? Next verse. It is not for kings, O Libio, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, 
lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. So what do the verses say? What, why is it that kings and princes and people in high places, judges and rulers and presidents, why is it that they should stay away from wine and strong drink and drunkenness? Aren't they the people who make the laws of the land? Aren't they the people who are supposed to set the example for us how we should live and follow the law and obey the law? And if they're under that kind of influence, are they actually doing that? Or are they setting a bad example for people to follow? Uh, I've, I've often wondered, perhaps you have too, maybe, why is it that a person who is arrested for DWI why isn't their license taken away from them? In some cases, it may be, right? But in too, far too many cases, they don't lose their license. Some judge lets them keep that license. And, and I've often wondered about that because that's a pretty serious offense, right? A, a DWI, being arrested under the influence of you hit somebody or even kill somebody, and you don't lose your license? I, I think that should be a given. The problem is, is it's, it's the judges and the rulers and sometimes the lawyers who make the laws are, are the ones who are sometimes the ones guilty of breaking that law and indulging in alcohol and giving to that. So uh, verse 5 says that person might, they just might forget the law, right? A king, a person who is a lawmaker under the influence of drugs, under the influence of alcohol, might just might forget the law. And they're going to pervert justice, right? They're not going to make good sound decisions. They're not going to be. They're not going to say, "Yeah, that person needs to be locked up," because they're under the influence themselves sometimes and not able to do that. Here's a question for you: Are there some good effects of alcohol? Yeah, I, I mean, if if you don't think there is, go home and get your medicine bottles out, right? Look at your cough syrup, all right? The cough syrup you take for coughs and read what percentage of that is alcohol. It's a pretty good size percent, right? Uh, and, and then, you know, what was it that Paul told Timothy? He said, take a little wine for what? Timothy was undoubtedly having some problems with his stomach, right? So Paul said, take a little wine. So there are indeed some medicinal effects of al alcohol but not to the point of being drunk with it. It's using that in moderation the way it's prescribed, the way it's given, right, for that particular problem that you're facing. And, and then we find out that it's got some good. Um, what the, the writer of Proverbs is trying to tell us is this, when it's taken in excess, when it's taken to the point that it clouds your ability to think clearly, when, it, when it's taken to the point that it, it just, it, it, you, you don't talk rationally. You don't act rationally. You, you don't do those things to build your family up and build your friends up. If you do things to destroy them and destroy yourself, that's when it becomes a problem. That's when it becomes a problem in a person's life. And, and like I said, I, I, I think all of us probably have seen the effects of uh, alcohol in people's lives that we love. 
And I, I dare say that any of you, I, I, at least I can't, I, I can't tell you a single person who has benefited from drinking to the point that they become drunk. You know of anybody? Maybe you do. But I don't. I happen to think of one particular family in my family whose, whose, whose mom was a, was a, a God-fearing Christian and she, she always tried to make sure her kids went to church. Her husband was an alcoholic. I mean, he, he was an alcoholic from the time that I knew him as a kid, right? Just because the dad was an alcoholic, the mom was a Christian, the kids took after dad. In that family, the three of the five kids are already dead from alcohol. Three of the five kids. One of them, I'm not sure what happened to her. She ran off a long time ago, and nobody even hears from her anymore. One out of five kids lives kind of a normal life, and you know, is a really good kid around. But that's all—they're all influenced by the fact that their dad was an alcoholic. He was an alcoholic. They made bad choices. His, the dad made a bad choice. They followed right along his footsteps and made bad choices too. Any thoughts, comments, concerns, questions about that part? Because there's actually another side to this. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the thing that disturbs me today is the number of people, even even though it is well known fact what alcohol can do to a person, it's 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 a very well documented fact of of how it can cause a person to just do some really crazy things, and still people choose to indulge in it. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. Maybe it does to you, but that doesn't. I mean, the <clears throat> yeah, even to the point that when Paul says, "Hey, look, Timothy, look, you can take care of this problem. Here's what you have to do." But I, I believe you're right. Timothy was like he was so he he saw the effects of alcohol even back then to the point he said, "You know what? I know how." I, I know how not to worry about that. Just don't ever do it. Just don't ever do it, right? Just don't ever do it. Okay, good, good point. Any other comments before we kind of look at one more topic? Morris?
Right? Right? Yeah. And, and, and you know what? It wasn't cheap wine either, right? It was the good stuff. Because, yeah, because the, the, the marriage person comes out later and says, why did you, why did you save the, the, the good stuff for last? That's not the way it's normally done. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I don't, I just, yeah, that happened. Uh, why, but we know that alcohol was a problem has always been a problem, all the way back to the book of Proverbs. Or why would the writer write about this? Why would the writer write about the dangers of alcohol and all the problems it can cause a person if it was not a problem? The, the second thing he addresses that we want to talk about tonight is, is gluttony. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 20 and 21, we read, Be not among wine-bibbers, uh, among righteous eaters of flesh, for the drunkards and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. <clears throat> you know, the thing, the thing, uh, the thing about gluttony. I, I, sometimes I always seem to think about food when it comes to gluttony. But you know, we can be gluttons for other things too, right? I I remember hearing this expression, and I've in fact I've even used this expression sometimes. And asking the person, "What are you a glutton for punishment? What does that mean? I mean, are you just are you just making those mistakes and seeking punishment, all that you can get? But you know, I think we should be gluttons. We should be gluttons for God's mercy. We should be gluttons for God's grace. We should be gluttons for doing the will of God. And 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 that's wanting to do that so badly, right? That it just it, it becomes part of us." What is gluttony? It's being ruled by bodily appetites or, and, and not by God, if, if it's talking about food. When you think about Jesus, when you turn over to his ministry there in, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, he talks a little bit about John, right? He mentions John the Baptist. And, and what does he say about John? He says, well, you know, what was it you expected to see when you went out to see John, right? A reed shaken in the wind? Instead, what did you see? You saw a man, how was he dressed? Dressed in camel's hair, right? And what was his diet? Yeah, honey and grasshopper or locusts or grasshoppers, whatever they say there, okay? But he said, and what did the people say about him? They said he's got a demon. So he came eating and drinking and he... he uh, you know, not eating and drinking the things that people were eating and drinking. They said he has a demon. So Jesus, on the other hand, when he comes to Matthew chapter 11, and he says uh, of him, in verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Well, John the Baptist wasn't doing that, and they had words against him. Jesus was doing that. And what did they say of Jesus? They said, look, he's a glutton. He's a wine-bibber. He's a friend of sinners, of tax collectors. Um, but wisdom is justified by her children. So on one hand, the person doesn't eat, right? And he's condemned. He has a demon. Jesus eats and with, with the tax collectors, with the people who are poor. And they said, you know, look at him. He's, he's a glutton. He's a wine bibber. So, again, you were not going to make those Pharisees happy, were you? You are not going to make the Sadducees happy. Not Jesus. Anything he did was going to be condemned. 
the thing we need to understand about food, food is a gift from God, right? God has provided things in this world for us to eat. If you look at James chapter 1, verse 17, James chapter 1, verse 17, it, it's, a, it's a, a very short verse, but, but again, so many verses have very powerful lessons. Uh, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It goes on to say, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God has provided a creation, a world for us to live in, that provides for the people who live in it, right? He provides for his children. He always has. That Those things are given to us from God. But at the same time, there are, there are admonitions for us about not becoming uh, overeaters or, or not abusing food. Not eating, uh, not, it's not about eating to be satisfied our bellies, satisfy so much as it is to eat to try to satisfy our souls. We, we should be careful. Uh, there, there are people who eat uh, whenever, you know, there are things happen in their life and they, they turn to food for comfort, maybe because they're emotionally uh, they're going through some very difficult, hurting emotions, uh, so they eat. There are also people who uh, eat just because the food's there, and, and maybe they feel like they're not going to get their money's worth. Uh, and sometimes people eat because what they're bored. They just don't have anything else to do, so we just eat, right? We just eat all the time. So, again, think about gluttony, but think that this, just keep this in mind. There, there, there is a good type of gluttony. Called the gluttony of of of, uh, of wanting more of what God gives us, more of His Word, more time to be with Christians, more time to do God's will. There's nothing wrong with that. Wanting that for our lives. There's also such a thing as gluttony of delicacy, and and that's the person who wants to have everything to be exactly their way all the time, every time. For instance, here's an example. Um, a person who goes into a restaurant and orders and then complains to the owners of the restaurant. Why? Because I wanted my water to be 75 degrees. I wanted my food, I wanted my salad to be crisp. I wanted my food arranged alphabetically in clockwise direction on my plate. That's, that's insane, isn't it? But perhaps you've seen people in the restaurants who did that, right? Because they were always complaining about something. They wanted everything to be perfect. So here's the question for you. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with alcohol in a person's life? How do we deal with gluttony in a person's life? I think the answer is self-control. I think the answer is found in the fruits of the Spirit listed as being self-controlled. Right from Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. So what does that say? What does Paul say to the church at Galatia? Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. He says, whoops, that's too far. When he starts listing the fruits, he says, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then he says what? And self-control. Against uh, such there is no law. In moderation, right? 
when we eat, we should eat in moderation. We eat to the point to, and be thankful for the things that we have because they're gifts from God. God has provided them for us. But we don't eat to excess uh, to the point we become gluttons. Uh, the New Testament talks a little bit about fasting. We read, it's not something we do today, right? We don't fast today. But when you stop and think about fasting, you think you have to think about Jesus in the wilderness, right? After he was baptized, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. After he's baptized, he's led off into the wilderness, right? To be tempted by Satan. But I, I have no doubt in my mind that during that time while Jesus is away, he turned to God in prayer. He turned to God thanking him for all that he had done and, and he prayed for strength to live the kind of life that he would, that God would want him to, to live the kind of life that would be the, that he would be the perfect lamb that could be offered from the cross of Calvary, shed in his blood for the sins of man. Jesus knew all of that. He knew that. He did that for us. We should, we should cultivate uh, you know, a, a spirit of daily dependence. You know, Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, what was it he said about our daily bread, right? Thanking God for our daily bread. We should do that. Whenever you look back with God leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, you know, they, 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 they complained, first off, because they didn't, have this, didn't have that, so God provided manna, and then God provided quails, and he provided water, he provided everything they needed, but they, you know, they they weren't thankful, they weren't grateful people, they still mumbled and grumbled, and because of that, they're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness wandering, because they, they were unhappy with that. We need to learn to trust God more every day. God will provide, God has provided, he's provided a beautiful earth for us to live in. He's provided the seasons to grow the crops that we need, uh, the animals that we need for the food that we eat, and we should be thankful. Um, alcohol is one of those things we should recognize. That while it does have medicinal purposes, we have to even take that in moderation because it will destroy our lives. It can destroy our lives. Okay. I see the, the classes are dismissing out there, and they'll be coming in shortly. Again, next week we're going to take a look at one of the things we said about pro, uh, Proverbs early on, and, and that's the fact that it's got, some, it's got some pretty interesting teachings in there, puzzles and so on and so forth, some enigmas, okay? We'll talk about some of those next week in our final lesson for the quarter. Thank you for being here tonight.